G'day and welcome back to episode two of the Doncaster Athletic Club podcast for 2020, where we'll feature part two of the recent question and answer night. In this episode, our athletes will talk through their injury battles, finding the right balance and their goals for the future. We hope you enjoy and thanks again for listening. Here it is. Now, uh, there's some people on the panel that are lucky enough to have not been injured, not have any major injuries, but for the people that aren't so lucky, uh, if Joel, Lynn and Kat, you guys wouldn't mind just touching on some of the injuries that you've had, and how you stay mentally strong through it, or how you like sort of dealt with being injured and not being able to train and race. Okay, I've had a number of injuries. Um, okay, so basically, since since Glasgow, I've been managing Achilles tendinopathy. Um, some years it's good, some years it's really bad. Uh, this year it's probably been the worst year. Um, but um, yes, I guess in terms of um, management, um, I'm, uh, I feel like I'm still learning on how to deal with injuries. Um, in the past, I did get, I used to get quite stressed out about them. Um, and I'd find myself waking up in the middle of the night and getting worried about it. I need to do this, I need to do that. Um, but I said to myself this year, I'm not, not going to do that. Um, so I really tried to just do activities that you know, that I enjoyed. So I really like cooking. So I was spending a lot of time doing lots of cooking. Um, I like music and dancing. Um, so I was doing more, you know, listening to more music and dancing more. Um, so yeah, I guess making sure you, you do things and activities that you enjoy outside of the sport. I find that um, really helps with, um, yeah, managing injuries. Um, I'm going to keep thinking of some more. Uh, my personal <laughs> to leave for now. I'll think of something else. Uh, so I've had two kind of big injuries that I can think of. Um, about six weeks out from stall 2017, I was running around the Geelong Gift and I did something to my toe. We're still not quite sure what happened to my big toe, but I was running around the tight bends and I hurt myself. Uh, and so I couldn't run for six weeks prior, which was... Um, quite scary um, but what we learned was that we just had to adapt and because we had such a strong vision and strong focus on the end goal of trying to um, win the gift in 2017 I think I was just so focused on that that I was willing to do whatever it was gonna take to make sure that I could run there uh, so we were in the pool doing lots of pool running because I couldn't run on the track uh, modifying gym sessions, getting on the bike, um, just finding all the different ways to adapt. And I think just because I was so focused, it just you just kind of forget about everything else and you just you do everything that it will take to get you back on track. Uh, and I managed to run, I think, uh, two weeks or the week before I was on the track running. Um, still not full speed and with a little bit of pain, but at that point it was kind of just you're going to have to deal with it potentially. Um, and I got to stall 99% um, pain-free, um, which was good. It was still slightly in the back of my mind while I was warming up. But again, you just kind of got to put that to the, to the back of your mind and forget about it and just focus on the task ahead. Um, so that was scary. But um, in the end, it, we got through it and still achieved our goal. Uh, and then a year later, um, 
the week before stall 2018 i tore my hamstring in a training session um, and that was devastating uh not being able to run uh, that year was yeah really hard because uh, that's like our nationals so it's like tearing your hamstring before nationals um which is yeah not what you want but um again it was just going through all the rehab processes focusing finding a goal and focusing your mind on that uh the calm games were happening so there was a lot of watching that on tv uh trying to sort of take your mind off yourself and just watching all the other the other aussies go at it um and yeah it's just i think the main thing for me was trying to focus on a goal and put all your energy into just trying to get yourself there um doing all the little one percenters all the rehab all the right things because um, that's the only way you can actually come back properly and know that you're going to be right is to do everything you can. Um, so yeah, apart from that, I think I've been touch wood relatively okay. Uh, so yeah. Joel, just before you start, if you wouldn't mind mentioning, because as you mentioned previously, you are currently injured and whether you're going to be taking a different approach now from what you've done um yeah well i i still sort of don't know what this injury um is it sort of came on pretty pretty recently the last i had yeah um i was supposed to be doing uh, london marathon in uh, end of april uh and world half marathon champs end of march um the, yeah, my two big european races this year uh and now they're off the cards um, they would look like they were going to be off the cards from injury, and now the coronavirus has put them off the cards um, anyway. So I guess it's it's uh, one of the best times to be an injured athlete. Um, but you know, I've been coming from the sport of triathlon. Uh, I've been like, uh, yeah, pretty much riddled with injuries every single year. You know, running distance running is one of the hardest sports in the world for um, injury. I did triathlon for five years and never was injured once. Um, not, a, not a single injury. I thought, I remember thinking, I can't get injured. And so I went to, when I started running, I ran for, I think, three months with Nick's, Nick's squad. And I went from like running 90K a week to about 130K, like a 40K a week jump. And I had a stress fracture within eight weeks. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not bulletproof. Um, and that's sort of been the, the case the last four years, sort of build, building up. Uh, yeah, building my training, focusing on, on goals, uh, and then racing really well for a sort of small period, I'll say a small period of time, you know, four months, five months, six months of good racing, and then boom, injured again. Um, I've had two, two of, only two of my injuries have been uh, overuse. The other two were traumatic injuries, they call them. So one was like breaking my foot, uh, running in spikes in a cross-country race. And another one, uh, a recent one last year was uh, something called a plica, which is something you're sort of born with uh, in your knee that um, just causes a lot of pain and you, the only option is to get have surgery to get it removed. And I guess every, every year that I get injured, uh, you learn things from the previous injury. Uh, you know, it always seems the, the worst thing. When, when it first happens, you're injured, you go, not again, this is the worst. You, know, you always somehow recover. Uh, as long as you don't give up if you know, you, you know there's a lot of athletes i know i've been doing running for for many years and i've seen so many like talented athletes just throw, throw it in you know maybe two three injuries in a row and they go no that's it they're done 
Um, but, you know, I, I know that I really want to be a runner. I, I want to make it to the Olympics for, for marathon. And I know that if I, if, I, um, if I give up, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, but I guess the biggest advice to people that do get injured is, uh, you know, take a little, little steps coming back from an injury, um, reassessing the goal, as these guys have said. And, you know, it's all, it's all about consistency. Like seeing, that's uh, one thing I just haven't really done um, as a runner because I yeah, haven't been able to. And it's probably because I've tried to rush myself back to, for big races or, you know, wanted, I've, I always get fit really quick. Um, and so I think, oh, you know what? Four months ago, I couldn't run, and now that the fittest I've ever been, come on, let's do this half marathon. Yeah, let's go do this. Let's do that. And you know, sometimes you need to you need to take a step back, um, not get too excited, and uh, and yeah, focus on the bigger picture. Because I'd say consistency is the most important piece of advice I could give um, for any any athlete. I think it doesn't matter if you're in um, speed or distance, you know, even field really. Um, if you're just doing the same training week in, week out, week in, week out uninterrupted that's what's going to make you a champion not um being a hero of a few weeks and then injured you know that sort of thing coming off that question uh, it sort of ties into physios and nutritionists and so on so can each of you just mention briefly the other people who might be part of your team whether it's a physio or a nutritionist or a psychologist or a coach how frequently you use them, sort of the role they play in your development? Um, I'm probably not the person to ask for this. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, really, really just um, basically on what my coach Scott Martin suggests. Um, obviously, the sort of image surrounding a thrower is, you know, a bigger, a bigger sort of frame, bigger person. So it's always in our best interest to sort of put on muscle, put on sort of body weight um, at certain times of the season. What do you weigh? At the moment, I'm 102 kilos. At what height? At six foot six, 180. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's always in our best interest to sort of get bigger within reason. Um, look, there's, there's different ways to go about it and I'm sort of still learning, like I said before, but um, as as I sort of grow and as I sort of make my way through the through the um you know the throw sort of community and different things like that and I sort of find my way in and I come into contact with nutritionists and physios and stuff I'm sure I'll learn more but at the moment it's just sort of maintaining that sort of general level of fitness and if we can pack on a bit more muscle that's always I do. I wish I could pack on muscle. <laughs> um, yeah, I had my. Uh, my coach, Nick Bideau, he's in charge of all the running. Um, I had a strength conditioning coach uh, that is in charge of all my um, injury prevention, which is obviously not doing that good of a job. Um, I've got my masseuse that I see once a week for massage. Um, I've got my physio that I see when things sort of arise or, you know, I get, I get some needling done off him just as general maintenance every, every so often. Um, and I have a sports doctor that I see when the injury is really bad. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's that's uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Those five people. Uh, for me, aside from my coach, uh, I've got an awesome physio, John Wilson. Um, he's the person that keeps me running on two legs. Um, 
because without him, I'd be quite broken down. I see him in season oh, roughly every six weeks, I think, just to keep the body ticking over. Um, he keeps an eye on our strength work, what we're doing to make sure that that's suited because I'm only 19 still, so he just wants to make sure that that's going okay with what my body's looking like. Um, and off season, I see him less regularly, but again, I feel like it's so important to just make sure someone's keeping an eye on your body to make sure that everything's moving the way it should be. Because if you keep breaking down, then you just got to keep building yourself back up. Whereas if you can keep yourself in check, then you don't have to do that going backwards, coming forwards sort of thing. And it just makes training a lot easier to stay consistent. Um, so yeah, he's the only sort of external person I have in my team. Um, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, so I have um, Justin who um, writes my training programs um, and um, a few of my training partners are physios, which is really handy. Um, um, but one of them, um, Lyndon, he's probably my um, main physiotherapist. Um, so he's been helping me manage my injuries throughout the um, past few years. Um, but um, I've, he's recently referred me to another physio um, to help manage the um, Achilles tendinopathy. Um, and his name is James and he's located in um, Box Hill. Um, and basically um, we are discussing plans um, to help prevent um, the Achilles tendinopathy to occur again um, next season. So I'll be working with him um, over the next couple of months to work on some prevention. Um, and I also see a sports massage therapist, uh, probably whenever I feel like I need a massage. Um, and I, I used to see sports psychologists. I have seen them in the past um, to help, um, you know, manage stress or help with... Um, um, visualization and focus before races um, and what else um, and I'm also I because I'm studying naturopathy I'm my own nutritionist and herbalist so I look after my diet um, yeah that's probably about it so I've probably got four main uh, sort of support groups. Um, obviously, Liana Joyce being uh, my running coach, uh, she checks in with us regularly uh, to see how we're traveling with coaching or training, um, at, obviously at the training sessions. She's just recently departed and moved to Hobart. Um, but yes, she checks in with our training, sees how our body's moving, uh, visually critiques and analyzes pretty much every step um, which is really useful and handy in injury prevention. Uh, so obviously if we're feeling tight, she'll make sure that uh, we loosen up appropriately. We'll never be doing any running whilst sore or in, in pain, which is going to further uh, or further risk the, the potential of getting an injury. We also have Dan Martin uh, spearheading our strength and conditioning program. Um, so he's a, a pretty good strength and conditioning coach. Um, as sports masseuse, I see Steve Kelly, um, and my physio is uh, Kevin Craigie. Um, so touch wood, I haven't had to see Kevin Craigie too often, but when I have, he's been 
extremely helpful, um, providing me with some programs and exercises to ensure that I don't re, uh, re-injure myself. Um, yeah, that's all. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I've been very fortunate, I guess. I haven't had any medical issues where I've had to constantly see physios, masseuse or anything. So I haven't really had any niggles, no injuries before. So I've had sporadic visits to the physio when needed um, and even sporadic visits to their sports uh, doctor regarding just health and general health. I guess when it comes to running, who specialises more than a normal doctor would. And other than that, I don't have a regular, I guess, team. It's more just me and my coach, uh, keeping a check and sometimes he will knock me on the head and be like, look, um, your iron level's down, why don't we head off to the sports doctor? Um, It's more of a general thing. So I don't have any specific uh, time periods where I'm like, okay, every few weeks I've got to go to this person. So touch wood, but I've been very lucky with my health and injuries that I haven't had to consistently revisit anyone really, which I'm lucky, yeah. Thank you. So the next, that probably leads us into the next one is about balance. So um, how do you balance uh, work, life, training at such a high level? I know um, it's tricky to be in the moment all the time you're training. You've got to have that balance and do other things. So, you know, run us through what that is. Are you studying? Are you working? Um, Yeah. Um, for me, I guess I've always found myself to have good balance, I guess, because I enjoy running, so it's more of something I look forward to doing. Um, I finished year 12 last year, so I guess that took up a lot of my time, five days a week, and for me it was just running in the mornings before school or after school, um, training-wise, and I started part-time work two years ago, so I kind of just fit it in, and for me, I guess, a busy schedule is best because it makes me get up and going. When I find myself, I guess when I had a few months off recently after year 12, I kind of just laze around and don't do all that much with my time. And I guess you feel a bit like useless and you're like, I need the structure, I think. So I freshly started uh, university this year. So that'll give me my routine back. I guess with the routine, you find balance. You've got time for everything. So between running and studying and part-time work, I still get to do all the things I enjoy, like seeing friends, going out, being with family. I guess, yeah, it makes you enjoy everything when you do balance it out correctly. Cool. So I guess being an athlete, management is definitely the key to success, creating routine, in your sort of day-to-day tasks is absolutely key. So as well as ranking out, I guess, your priorities in life. So uh, mine being sort of number one, athletics, number two, university, and then sort of number three, your social life and general health. Oh, sorry, not health and wellbeing, that's up there with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, sort of taking those priorities and creating a routine in your sort of week and daily basis. So you'd know that on a, on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, you've got training from eight till whatever time. That means that you can base your studi, uh, sorry, uni, uni uh, timetable in and around that. Um, and then from that, you can fix in your casual, uh, casual job 
put that in and around your university and your training regime. Um, and if you're able to do that and balance those sort of, I guess, three main ones and then squeeze in sort of a social life and then heading home for a family luncheon, I feel like you're doing a pretty good job. Um, but yes, routine is key and it is a very hard but rewarding juggling act. Um, I'll have to agree with Liam, um, establishing your priorities um, with everything that's going on in your life at, um, at, at that stage. Um, yeah, so I guess for me there are times where I put training, that will be my number one, and then it would be uni, and then it would be work. Um, so it just changes and it depends what's what's going on at the time. So. For example, at the moment, um, uni is probably more of a priority for me um, than running. Um, but yeah, I guess, and I also agree with Adi, um, finding a balance. Um, it can, I often find it quite hard, um, finding the balance. And when you're, when you're not in balance, that's when you're not enjoying things. Um, so I guess it's really important to make sure that you, you know, you do have a, a social life and that you do um, other things outside, you know, the sport and work and, you know, uni or studying. Um, yeah, so definitely finding the balance is really important. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm kind of just going to be repeating what the others have said at this stage. Um, finding a routine and making your priorities set is the main thing to being able to balance then all your priorities. Once you've worked them out and you've got your routine going, it makes it so much easier to be able to enjoy everything you're doing, to be able to fit in going out with your friends or going to the movies, stuff like that. Because when you've got your routine, you've got your balance and everything, it just, it all flows a lot easier. It makes it all a lot more fun. Um, and yeah, not much more to add. I think everything's kind of been said from my point of view. Uh, yeah, pretty much so, same sort of thing um, for me. It's uh, had, I think having hobbies is really important as, as an elite athlete. And when you're training so much, it takes up so much of your time, so much mental energy. Um, you know, it's really important to have something to fall back on, especially when you're injured. Um, so for me, you know, as I said before, the music sort of thing I'm massively interested in. Uh, study part time um, at university online. Um, which I just recently deferred from last semester. I, did, I wanted to defer these next two semesters so I could focus on London Marathon, so that really worked out well. Um, uh, and, you know, I have a part-time job. I work at a, a wine store in the city, which is, again, another sort of fun thing to do. Um, I think it's really important to have hobbies that are outside sport. You know, I've never really understood those people that can, you know, they... they a full-time athlete they study health science and then their hobby is like working in a running store or something it's like three things you know <laughs> i know you work in running stores that's, that's close to me <laughs> it's fine it's good actually before joe before you finish you said hobbies are good um yeah word on the street is there's a there's a movie coming out <laughs> and you, you can do you're doing some part-time acting run us run us through that um yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to be given a role in a Korean blockbuster film um, in, that shot in January in rural Victoria. It was in uh, Ballarat, Bendigo and Geelong. Um, it follows the story of a Korean 
guy that wins the 1947 Boston Marathon. So it's a big national pride story, the first national sporting win post-World War II. Um, and, yeah, it's a big, big Korean movie with big, big budget. And I was uh, chosen somehow just by pure luck, no acting experience. I applied to be an extra and then I ended up getting put in the main cast playing. Yeah, it's just a hilarious story. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. When's it come out? Do we know? Um, they said it would be the middle of this year, but now with all this stuff going on, I think it's going to be pushed back. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. It was like being away, huge, huge big part of my life for like three weeks. It was just crazy, and then you don't hear anything about it. There's no promo. I don't. Who knows? There's no trailer. There's no nothing. Yes, I got paid. <laughs> 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 they might still show it, but just no one later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be good for ticket sales. Um, yeah, well, back to back to the question. Um, a lot of the same, just what the other guys have said. It's it's all all sort of about finding a balance and structure. Like for me, I'm first year uni. I've had my first week last week. Um, so it's really just yeah, just give me something to do outside of athletics. Like I've always found it beneficial to sort of take your mind off athletics. Like as much as I do love throwing and everything, I can't think about it all the time. It's sort of one of those things that, um, it's sort of just, once you sort of take your mind off it and you take a step back and do the things that you enjoy, whether it's work, uni, or just socializing with friends, it's really beneficial, it helps to keep you grounded. Um, so yeah, just keeping that structure and keeping that balance and sort of fitting everything in within reason is just really beneficial. Thanks, Declan. Um, so as a bit of a wrap-up question for the night, I think it's been really good insight from all of you guys, so I appreciate you, your comments. Um, what's the next steps and goals, and what, what's the next... You might have comps coming up. Obviously, there's a few things going on uh, in the world at the moment, which is which is uh, made things tricky for a few of you, but, yeah, what, what's next? Yeah, obviously, um, following the uncertainty going around at the moment, it's, um, it's sort of up in the air, but... Um, World Under 20s is a big sort of comp for me this year, so I'm lucky enough to have qualified twice now um, to, and with nationals um, being postponed at the moment, it's sort of, it really, um, there's a big sort of question mark around what's going to happen, but for me, um, that's the main, that's the main goal for this year, and that's to qualify for that team and hopefully perform over there, um, so fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, as I explained before, I'm currently uh, injured at the moment, so it's sort of um, number one priority is to get over that and um, get a treatment plan in and he heal myself up. Uh, so London Marathon got postponed to uh, early October, which will mean I'll probably have to withdraw from that because I have uh, World Half Marathon champs at the end of October, which they were postponed. Um, and other than that, on other than sort of races that I'll do on the build up to that main goal, um, I think we got world uh, cross country trials, which I don't know when, exactly when they are, but um, world cross countries in uh, Bathurst coming up. So yeah, a home world championships. Uh, yeah, that's that's on the horizon. Uh, yeah, with everything that's going on, it makes it hard. Uh, normally for us, we finish the season at stall and we're not sure if that's going ahead yet, so it makes it hard to plan. But I think um, even if it doesn't go ahead, it'll just be knuckling down and just trying to improve as an athlete as much as you can and just get the most out of myself um, and see how much better I can become for next season as an athlete because, yeah, we don't really know what's happening at the end of the season. 
I think for me, um, yeah, just really focusing on um, preventing Achilles tendinopathy um, for the next season, um, but also just maybe within the next couple of years, um, I can officially start Masters. So, um, <laughs> so um, yeah, so maybe, yeah, start training for that. Um, but I also do um, the pro running as well. And um, the good thing about that, you, there's so many different events. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'll start training for another event. They've got the 550 um, um, and probably continue training for the 400 as well. Cats are lying to tell you that domestically yeah. you can do masters now. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, you did. I think you did tell me that. But I think. Oh, I think I was told the, the masters. You can start masters at thirty-five. My yeah, internationally, it's thirty-five. Okay, okay. I'm days, thinking so it's you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's depressing. <laughs> 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 Yes, thanks to the coronavirus, it's put a big question mark on the competition schedule as well as our training schedules. Um, so a lot is up in the air at the moment. Obviously, we're sort of just waiting for, I think the committee was coming together, or the, the what, World Athletics. Yeah. Yep, we're coming together in May or at some point um, to have a discussion about the Olympics. And I feel like that will have a direct effect on sort of our nationals. Um, and qualifiers for the Olympics. Um, so I guess nationals, university nationals, and stall gift were going to be my next three sort of competition dates. Um, but yeah, thanks to this coronavirus, big question mark. <laughs> yes, yeah, so also basing off that, I guess the nationals where most of us were heading towards has put that question mark up in the air. Um, I was hoping to run a really good race at nationals and qualify for the world juniors, the same as Declan. Um, luckily enough, I've already run a qualifying time, so it's I'm glad to have that under the belt, but yeah, I guess from now on, it's just a bit of a waiting game to see what happens, what goes ahead, and just use this time, um, take advantage of it and keep training, better yourself, yeah. All right, if uh, anyone <coughs> has any questions, we'd like to open up to you guys now. Let me get this mic. I've got a question for Declan and then one to all the panel. Uh, Declan, you mentioned that you're the Australian junior champion shot and discus. Could you share with the rest of the group what your best throws? Yeah, um, so at the moment I'm an under 20 athlete, so I'm throwing the six kilo shot and the 1.75 kilo discus. So the six kilo shot, my PB is 17.81. That was last year at Nationals, which got me the national title. Mm -hmm. And uh, discus, I was lucky enough to throw a PB the other week at the big states, 58-55. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Excellent. 1.75. And uh, the question I have for all of you, you've all reached an elite level in your competition, and I'd like to know, how do you manage to peak on the day? How do you manage to get your best performance at the uh, competition? Um, well, for me, it's all about sort of just communicating with my coach and working through training schedules. Um, it's all sort of it's all sort of like a process leading up to nationals, whether we're not sort of 
as sort of, like I sort of mentioned before, we're not as sort of intense in terms of sort of tapering as maybe some of the distance and sprinters. So for throwing, um, it's sort of all just is keeping some consistency leading up to a major comp and uh, really just sort of building up to sort of hopefully what is our peak. Um, yeah, to be honest, that's, that's a really good question because it's one of the hardest things to do in high performance sport, especially when you're racing a lot. Um, you know, I know for myself, I have a big difference between my best day and my worst day, um, uh, inconsistency. So it's really, really trying to make sure you hit your mark on the race day that counts the most. Uh, and I guess that's making sure that you are consistent with your training, but don't go, don't go too far the other way because that's when you, the, the more you push it, the more you risk injury and illness. And then that's going to make, that's going to ensure that you're not having a good race on when it counts. I've got to say, for peaking, it kind of, that's where it falls into the coach's hand a lot more than it does the athlete's hand. Um, it's all to do with their programming um, of our training sessions and getting, well, especially for sprinters, the taper right to make sure that you are at your best on the day. And then for us athletes, it's just a matter of turning up, making sure you're switched on, whether that's putting your music on or doing whatever it is that you routine is um, and just making sure that you just run your best and what happens happens and hopefully if you've got a great coach like I have um, you'll run a PB on the day uh, and win the race you wanted to win um, so yeah it's definitely I feel more in the coach's hand to get the sort of taper right as opposed to the athlete who just needs to turn up on the day um, and run their best. Um, yeah, I also agree with Liv. Um, it does come down to the coaching and um, the planning of the training schedule for you to peak at the right time. Um, but I guess also um, I found for myself the, the times where I performed the best was when I was very relaxed um, I was not overthinking, I was focused and I, I was calm and I trusted that all the hard work that I've done throughout the year and throughout the season was going to pay off. So as the Katza and Leah previously said, it's definitely a coach and athlete uh, task. So obviously you'll set or you'll plan ahead um, in advance and identify certain events, i.e. nationals, that uh, your primary goal or primary objective to be at your best. Um, then from that point, you'll work backwards. Um, you'll make sure that during your winter, there'll be your harder, more grueling sessions. And then as we sort of progress into season, you'll start to taper, you'll start to run a little less, but you'll be running faster. And it's all about a transition from high volume, low intensity, to low volume, high intensity for sprinters anyway. Um, and then obviously sort of when you're coming into your weeks, weeks just before nationals or a few days, you will have your pure taper sessions where you might, the, oh geez, the two days beforehand, you might get out onto the track and just do a warm up and roll out. And that's literally all you'll do. Um, so that'll ensure that come nationals, come that heat that you're Riders ran and running fast. Yeah, as Liam said, I guess it's a lot of working with the coach and how you're programming the season. Um, people start their seasons at different times, so I guess it's more of an individual thing. Um, yeah, so you pinpoint races 
uh, look to where your main goal is. Once again, nationals, I guess for me it is. Um, and yeah, you just pinpoint and kind of progress your way through that. And in the short term, I guess leading into a race, um, the week of the race, you kind of decrease the volume of your training for me. And I might drop my Ks um, a fair bit. And I guess, yeah, on race day, it's just getting yourself into that zone. You've got to trust the process that you've had, um, believe in yourself. And I guess the confidence is really what gets you through a race. Uh, have you, just for those of you who, who want to answer this question, have you ever experienced a major setback where you thought about giving up? And how did you deal with this? I've never actually had a setback where I've kind of doubted the sport at all. I've always enjoyed it, which is why I'm still here. Um, yeah, I've never really had any big things where it's pushed me back. I've, Obviously, everyone has their moments where they're down about a certain um, competition. I guess you just got to bounce back up and I guess as an elite athlete, that's kind of where you need to be. You need that motivation. So I'm lucky enough to, yeah, be positive about, about the sport. Um, I personally have had a few major setbacks throughout my career. Um, the first one I remember would have been um, in 2010 when I qualified for the Commonwealth Games, but um, at the time they um, weren't taking athletes who only did B qualifiers. Um, so that was really disappointing because I felt like my athletic career may have been different had I been, had I'd gone to Delhi. Um, so that was one um, major setback, but then I guess it kind of, I was pretty disappointed and upset for a long time, but um, it also made me more determined um, to not give up. Um, and then another setback for me was, um, I guess even um, after Glasgow, I was quite disappointed with my performance. Um, and yeah, that kind of, yeah, really, I was really disappointed with that. But again, I didn't want to give up and I did have other goals that I wanted to achieve after um, Glasgow. Um, and I guess even just with all my injuries, with the Achilles tendinopathy that I've had, um, there was a time where um, I actually did, um, I guess, quit the sport for um, a year. Um, but then I decided I wanted to start running again and that's where I decided to start doing um, the pro running, so with the Victorian Athletics, Athletics League. And yes, I've been doing that ever since and been making new goals and with, with that. Um, yeah, I guess for me there were two major uh, times when I... Yeah, I wondered if I had a future. Um, uh, the first one was two years ago at a cross-country race. I was just starting to sort of come into some really good form. Um, it was Victorian cross-country champs at Bandura, and I broke my foot in the race. Um, I was like sprinting to anyone who's done the cross-country at Bandura. It's, that back hill is pretty bad and sort of did that. Broke my foot and went to the sports doctor and they scanned it and they said that I had cart like grade four cartilage damage and there was like a fifty percent chance I'd never run again pain free. Uh, they were talking about like a joint fusion surgery and all this stuff and I was like, wow, this is this is really bad. Um, 
And so I just sort of thought, I don't, I, I don't know, what am I going to do? Uh, but I had, I had eight weeks off, as you do with a normal stress fracture, and I tried to block it out of my mind um, as I got back into training, and I never ever felt it again. So that was, yeah, just that, that was one. And then uh, the most recent thing with this that I explained before with my injuries, this plica thing in my knee, it was pretty much wiped out my whole um, winter last year. I was out for like four months, just on and off running, not knowing what it is. I had about you know, six scans, all different kinds of scans. No one knew what it was. And I was like, wow, I don't think I can ever run again. This is just really, really weird. And it re- really pushed, um, yeah, t- tested, tested me. And uh, yeah, and I ended up going seeing a surgeon. He's like, yeah, you got to apply it. It's easy fix. So, <laughs> so sometimes, yeah, I guess that's a, a message to not give up because in that four month period, there was definitely, definitely days where I woke up to try and run. I went, no, this is not getting better. You know, maybe I should just go do uni full time um and and give it up but yeah shows stick with it i'll make a question down do you respect to liam you mentioned about um uh, not running with injury or when you're sore and everything else uh, just wanted to point out that as you get older you become a master's athlete if you did that you'd never run at all <laughs> 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 and uh, obviously catherine you're at that point where you're transitioning into that but, yeah. <laughs> When you're injured, not sort of running on that injury and exacerbating it, that applies equally to us. But uh, what I really wanted, I'm interested in the psychology of uh, all this, but a really simple question for you guys. Is there a, is there a motto or, a, or a, something that somebody told you once that just gelled with you, that just sits there right in front of you uh, all the time that, that helps to drive you forward. Uh, anyone got one of those, uh, a motto or something like that? Going back to my old coach at uh, Pod Squad, so with our squad, there was, we had a really good core group of boys and girls, um, of which we obviously had a lot of banter um, and we pushed each other a lot. And so we'd always have, or we print out and laminate a couple of sort of A4 posters and put them up at Pod's gym. Um, and a few of the posters that were common and that we'd have there right in front of us as we're doing squats, heavy squats, um, was no pain, no gain. Uh, pain is weakness leaving the body. Um, and oh, there was one more which was the main one, and I was holding it off to the end, but now I've forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, pain is temporary, glory is forever. They're the three. Um, So obviously when you're doing your your squat reps, your max reps, I think uh, we got up to doing nearly triple our weight, doing 219 squat, 219 kilogram squat, uh, quarter squats to half squats. Um, significant amount of weight. Um, those quotes were always there, as well as the uh, the friends with all the banter edging edging you on uh, to produce results. Um, a tri- an old triathlon coach that I had once told me, um, I don't exactly remember when he told me, but he said control the controllables, and that was probably one thing that I've always sort of thought. And even recently with this injury that I just had, there, that like came on two weeks ago, I was in the really, really good shape and it just came on and I was really, really down and I'm like, okay, control and controllables. I can't, I'm, I'm hurt now, the damage is done. What can I do now to get get better? 
um, because otherwise you can just fall in a slump. You know, you think, oh, bad luck. This is just my bad luck, or you know, and you wait for something to happen to get better. But you know, you can control the controllables. Get in the gym, do some cross training, go see the physio, just go see the people that you need to see, and um, yeah, that's that's my one. We have time for one more if anyone has one. <laughs> um, probably Joel looked at the bad injury. If you can't run, do you do some other form of fitness? I think I've heard water running. Um, what do you do to keep your fitness, or does your fitness go down a lot, or are you able to maintain? Um, so when 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 I'm uh, when I'm here, like not injured, um, I do do cross training. I think it's really important to cross train because you can for a distance runner like myself, um, I can't do the K's that some of the guys that have been doing the sport for ages can't do the K's that they're doing. So I try and do some um, non-impact training, which will benefit me. Um, when I'm injured, I think it really depends on the injury. Uh, if you have a big race coming up. Um, and you've been you, you're four weeks out from the race, and you've done a grade one pull in your calf or something, and you know you know you have to have a week off. I think it's really important just smash cross training as much as you can, so you don't lose any fitness as long as it's not going to be detrimental to the injury. Um, but when you get a long uh, a long time off, like eight, eight weeks, um, 10, eight to twelve weeks, typical stress fracture uh, for the distance runners, that time off. Um, I think cross training it's still important really important for the mind um but i think the focus should be you're going to lose fitness in 12 weeks off you're going to lose fitness and if you want to there's people in my squad that will cross train three times a day like psychos to try and be like i'm not going to lose fitness i'm not going to lose fitness so, well you're not running for 12 weeks you are um and i think uh, there's, there's actually uh, a lot of arguments to be said that people that cross train heaps then their fitness is above where, what their body can handle when they return to running. So if you've been, you know, swimming 5K, doing two-hour rides every day and you've had 12 weeks off, then when you return to running and you can only do one minute on, one minute off or something like that and, you know, you're stepping into a 10-minute run and a 12-minute run, you're too fit and, and that then is more, more dangerous because your bones aren't, you know, they can't handle um, how fit you are. So, yeah. On the back of uh, this as part of our EAP, the three people who are part of it, the program from the panel will be running some clinics. Time to be concerned. So Joel Tobin White will be running a warm-up routine and group jog around Rocky Lake Park, finishing with a Q&A about dealing with injury and other requests. So she clearly has some extensive experience. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Crocker will be doing a warm-up routine and tips and advice on block starts and speed. And Declan will be having an interacting warm-up routine and throwing tips and advice intermixed with eating cereal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll also put the information for those clinics online, so look out for it on our social media. For those of you who don't yet follow us, it's doncaster.ac. Please look for that on Instagram and doncasterac.org.au on the website. And that's a wrap for episode two of the DAC podcast. Thanks very much for listening. We're thrilled to have brought you this content and we can't thank our athletes enough. Abby Caldwell, Liam Procaccino, Catherine Katsinovakis, Liv Ryan, Joel Tobin-White and Declan Carmen for giving up their time tonight 
uh, and generating really, really good content for the first two episodes. They've definitely set us up. Episode three, we'll have myself and Boris catch up and talk shop. We'll look forward to planning episode three and bringing that to you in the coming weeks. For now, keep training, stay safe, and all the best. Cheers.